On today's episode of Double Down Shrimp, we look back at week number three, and my God, were things ugly. We've got some bad coaching to talk about. Yes, you know who we're talking about. Adam Gase, you're on our list. Bill O'Brien, one of our favorite punching bags, and more. But we have issued our first Dr. Melfi session of the season. I need it, as all of New York football needs it, but specifically I'm talking about the New York Giants. We got absolutely destroyed by the JV 49ers squad, and I don't know where we go from here. I don't know how it gets better. So we've got a Dr. Melfi session on the couch, and then we preview week four and give you our picks for this week's games. There's a lot to like here including that Giants team going up against the Rams. So a lot on the board. What we're asking of our listeners, share this, send it out, like it, play along with us, go to DoubleDownTrent.com, but stay tuned for episode 80 of Double Down Trent. Double Down Trent, you might want to tune in. Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win. Pop culture to movies, let's start up the combo. Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto. Keep it authentic and it's always live. So competitive, so you know it's always hype. Make sure you subscribe, trust you don't want to miss. Going all in here on Double Down Trent. Hey, yeah, Double Down Trent, let's go. This is Double Down Trent. All right, welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where two elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. I'm your co-host as always. Joining me tonight, the model, a.k.a. Aaron. How you doing, bud? I am doing great. Coming off of a not bad, not as bad as you weekend of NFL picks. Feeling good about myself coming in here. The hair is thin. The hair is ready to go. I'm ready to jump in and uh, review week four that was and week five or sorry, week three that was and week four coming up. Yeah, I like I just skipped over that week because eventually that's what I'm doing as well. I'm not going to even just lament on these picks. I just got to put it in the rearview mirror, uh, but we'll get there. Now, we've also got our own NFL insider, Coulter. How you doing today, my man? I'm doing good. I really want to get a week under my belt where I'm just feeling totally confident. I have not hit that stride yet. Uh me and the model though are still kind of atop our, our our pool standings. I think we're what ninth and tenth overall, which you know I'll take at this this time of year. I we think can still creep up within think, striking distance. Yeah, exactly right. And I think we're uh, we're starting to break. We're starting to feel our oats, if you will. And I'm yeah. I'm ready to make a move this week. I am as well. I, I feel like there's a certain set of games that keep giving me hanging me up, and are the games that are kind of in the Vegas zone, like the Giants game last week. I somehow ended up on them. We'll get to them in a bit, but in, all these like four point spreads, I feel like are the ones that are kind of being the most challenging so far in the early yep. part of the season. Which they always are, I should say. It's I mean, everybody gets them wrong. I mean, the Cardinals I know knocked out I think 27 people in our pool. I was happy to go with the Lions uh, in that one, but I mean that was just a rare example of me getting one right because i've been pretty awful in those four and a half to six point spread picks well let me tell you how i did because it was atrocious okay i don't want to look <laughs> at this but i so for the listeners who don't know we're in this this pool that we do uh where you pick every game against the spread it's a set line uh and at one point during the the games all the one o'clock games had finished and i had gotten every single pick wrong and the Bengals and the Eagles were going into overtime. So thankfully, I had the Bengals that got me my first win. But it was one of the worst pick weeks of my entire life. I don't even want to like harp on this. It was that bad. But we had a lot going on here. So before we talk about how bad my picks were, let's go and focus on the NFL 
in general and what our key takeaways were from week three, because a lot happened here. Um, and let's just start with the marquee matchup. So the Monday night game, the Chiefs and the Ravens. I, I see when I was looking at that line, I'm thinking, why are the Chiefs getting points here? Something is not right here. And then we saw what happened. We saw this again with the Ravens on Monday night. It was a trend we saw in the playoff game against the Titans. Coulter, this is something that you've been preaching that the Ravens cannot Since come week back. One of last year. Yeah. This yeah. It's been my hottest take and it looked bad when the Ravens started so quickly last year. But I remember we did our preseason pod and I went on the Ravens under, which is a terrible pick, awful pick. Uh, but my main reason for that was that I don't trust Lamar Jackson from behind. I don't trust this team from behind. And now it's kind of bearing fruit. And what was this comment after the game that the chiefs are the Achilles heel? They're kryptonite. Uh, yeah. Kryptonite. Wow. What a statement. I mean, this guy is still young in his career. I mean, to be saying that it sounds so defeated about something like so permanent that they're never going to get past the chiefs and newsflash Lamar, you're going to have to beat the chiefs eventually. If you want to have any sort of say in the, you know, history of this league, I don't care if you want an MVP trophy. I don't care how many media people gush about you. I will forget about you in terms of NFL history if you don't win big games. And quite frankly, you're going to eventually have to beat the Chiefs in a big game in order to get to the Super Bowl, period. And the media and a lot of people were trying to hype this up as the next, you know, Brady versus uh, Peyton Manning. But that series, that kind of went back and forth. I know Brady got the best of Peyton most of the times in the playoffs, but Brady or excuse me, Peyton did win a lot of those games and did win Super Bowls and did advance in the playoffs. Right now, it's Mahomes just dominating. And I don't know what you do, because if you're the Ravens, you know, you've you've come out. They won before this game. They had won, what, 14 regular season games in a row. So the clue they're a talented team and we're a spread covering machine. We should mention right for our yeah, purposes. Exactly. And we saw what happens when they go against the high powered offense. If you just jump out against them, they don't come back. I think Lamar had what? Less than 100 yards passing in that game. 95 game? yards passing. Yeah, it's really problematic. You know, I'm watching the sun and I rarely do this when I'm watching the games. But Monday night, it's like it's the only game that's on. So you can really get a and they pop up, you know, all the skill position guys. And they've got guys like Boyle and Duvernay and Boykin. They're just not electric on offense. And I know that the chief skill guys are hit and miss and people like to make fun of Sammy Watkins and people who are in fantasy are like, Oh, you can't go with McCole Hardman. He's so hot and cold. Guess what? McCole Hardman makes the Ravens number three guy look like he's pumping gas at a station. These Ravens skill position players are irrelevant. Boyle's on the field all the time. They're backup tight end. He's not a player. Uh, you know, Dobbins, they have not gotten into like the flow of things. He, I mean, what did he, he was a, only a pass catcher the other yeah. night. He barely even touched the ball. I think he had one carry. I mean, these are your weapons. Dobbins is your main, one of your main weapons on offense other than Lamar Jackson. You have to get him 15 touches in that game. It's inexcusable that he walked away with just one. And then you're putting guys like Boyle and Duvernay and Boykin and all these no-name receivers, Sneed, Willie Sneed, not the, you know, not to throw these guys under the bus, but it's just not an, I'm not scared of that offense. And I'm most importantly to kind of bring this full circle. I'm not scared of that offense when they're trailing. I do not fear Willie Sneed the same way I fear Aaron Rodgers, Devonte Adams, Lazard, and that Packers offense. If they were hypothetically down seven or 14 points. Well, one thing that I was particularly watching is when they're down, what, what plays are they running? What are they calling? And their main formation is it's not quite a pistol formation, but it's, it's Lamar in the shotgun with a running back behind him. And even when they're down 15, 20, they're still doing this kind of like play action thing where Lamar's turning his back to the entire line. 
as if he's going to simulate a run. Well, if you're the Chiefs in that situation, go ahead. You want to run like a five-yard run with your running back when you're down 20 points? Go ahead. They don't really have an offense, and they weren't calling plays to come back. And is it time? I mean, they're going to be there. They're a good team. They're talented on defense. Lamar's electric. They're going to win games. But are you panicked if you're a Ravens fan that you're never going to get over the Chiefs hump, like Lamar said? I think the one cause for real panic is not just how bad the offense looked, but also that, and we've been saying this over the last couple of podcasts, that Chiefs defense is really good. And yeah. uh, not only do they have the advantage with Mahomes over Lamar and their kind of like rivalry or whatever you want to call it, like there might just be a flat difference. I think the Chiefs might just be the better defense defensive team for a while there. I think the common thought was, well, the Ravens have the defensive edge. The chiefs have the offensive edge. They'll meet somewhere in the middle. You know, if the Ravens can do their run thing, maybe they can out, you know, they can control the clock and be the chiefs that way. That's been the logic for a while. I watched the game the other night. I don't see it. I see the chiefs are better on both sides of the ball. The only reason why the Ravens were even close to being in that game was that kick return. The Ravens still have an advantage in special teams. Bucker missed the field goal, missed an extra point. Tucker's reliable. But besides special teams, I just don't think the Ravens have an edge anymore. I think the Chiefs have a beat in offense, and I think they haven't beat on defense. Yeah, and I'll just bring you right back to our gambling lines and our, uh, what we're talking about. The Chiefs were getting points. Mr. Model, how does that happen, A? And B, do you think the Chiefs are ever going to be getting points again for the rest of the season? I doubt that, to be honest. Um, but it, I would, I would – uh, try to contextualize the matchup in if you think these teams are going to play a hundred times, how often do you think you'd get something like this outcome that we saw that happened on Monday night? Um, to me, this is going to be one of more, one of the more extreme outcomes. I think culture to what you were saying, the Kansas city defense played probably better than what I would have expected them on. Um, if we had simulated this a bunch of times, I think it's going to be a much closer game than what you would have would have seen. And I, you know, it wouldn't have shocked me to see, uh, Baltimore play from from ahead and from strength, but when you get a couple home runs from the Chiefs' offense like that, it changes the makeup of the game, and it's just gonna be tough for them to come back when they don't have a pass happy, quick offense. Yeah. So I'm looking at everything, and I'm seeing these bunch of three and O teams out there. There's a good number of them. Um, let's go over real quick. So we got the Chiefs, obviously, the Packers, Seahawks, Bills, Titans, Steelers, and Bills. Or excuse me, the Bears. Do we think the those teams are the class with maybe the Bears just kind of being that one kind of pretender team? I mean, they didn't exactly beat some of these top teams so far. What do you think, Coulter? We're going to get to the Bears in a bit. They're, they're one of my <laughs> plays this week. Uh, I can't wait. <laughs> no, I, this is the first time on, we're making podcast history. I've never bet on the Bears on the podcast. They are one of my teams this week. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that they're necessarily a legit 3-0, but for gambling and football purposes, they have a much better quarterback now with Nick Foles. So, uh, you know, I'll do the Bears handicap in a bit, but this, this is a, a real team now with Nick Foles. So this is a 3-0 football team with a real quarterback. So I think we should treat it as such. Uh you know, if it was three and zero, and they still were riding Mitch Trubisky, I'd say yeah, they're in they're in a different class. But I think with Nick Foles, I mean, you have to treat this Bears team no different than the Eagles two years ago. And if they were three and zero with Nick Foles, we would be treating them just as much the same as the Bills, the Titans, the Steelers. I think there is a a varying line with uh, Mahomes, Rodgers, and uh, Wilson with those three teams of the Packers, Chiefs, and Seahawks. I think those are kind of the upper echelon just because they have slightly better quarterback play. 
Yeah, I'd agree with you there. Um, I do want to say, though, that that Packers Saints game played out a little bit the way we thought. I picked that. That's my one kind of good pick that I, I had last say, week. We, we're getting into a groove here. Packers Chiefs both uh, cashing in on Sunday and Monday night really yep. has me feeling like I've hit my stride. I nailed both of those games. Not in our app, of course. I went the other <laughs> way just to be contrarian like an idiot. But in the office pool, I nailed them and I actually had the Packers as my key pick. So, yeah, we're hitting our stride, I think, coming off those two night games. Those were, I mean, talk about it would have been a great money line part that's what I, I had the Super Bowl pick last year I should have just lined it up this weekend it really was there for the taking it with both of them getting that certainly would have been a good play you would have cashed out now this the yin and yang of football with the good there's always the bad and I'm just looking right at the AFC East NFC East but really the NFC East in particular the New York Giants the New York Jets it's just a fucking hot hot mess and it's only week four air but guess Yikes. what? I'm calling an emergency Yikes. Dr. Melfi session. I need it. Okay. I have been a lifelong diehard Giants fan, and you really can't complain. I've seen two Super Bowls in my adult life, two more than when I was like, you know, really young. But still, these last five, six years, seven years have been just so bad. And right now, I think it's at its worst. I really do. And there's only one guy left to blame, and it's the architect of this fucking roster. When you look around at the New York Giants roster, where is the talent? Okay, and I get Saquon Barkley is hurt, but Dave Gettleman, that no-talent ass clown, needs to be fired. He is ruining this franchise. They just lost by, what, 28, something like that, to the 49ers JV team. I mean, they were missing all kinds of starters. How? How is this possible? There is no talent on the roster. The fucking Niners backups just embarrassed all of our starters. It is frustrating beyond belief. It was the first time in a long time that I've turned off the Giants game and just was like, you know what? This game is done. I'm not wasting my energy on this. So, Mr. Melfi, Dr. Melfi, I need some fucking help. You're going to be picking in the top five again, so that's a positive. And you're going to do something I would hope that you haven't done in the last what has it been? Three straight drafts in the top six, yep. or is it four at this point? Lost three, track. but they're four top tens. Yeah, uh, you're going to go defense. I, you would hope that you'd find a guy of Chase Young's caliber, uh, and that's a you know franchise defining defensive player because I think that's what you've missed in all of these drafts. And to your point, I mean, it, it, it's all on Gettleman, right? I mean, that's it, the thing. It, it's it's all on Gettleman, uh, not only at the top of the draft, but also throughout the draft. I mean, the Niners, we saw it last year when they were making their run. They had five running backs. Uh, this year they happened to have four because they traded away Matt Breida. They're one of the only teams I think I've ever seen in my life that could lose a guy like Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman and just be completely fine with their next yep. two running backs. They didn't miss a beat. Wilson McKinnon, next man up, we're totally fine. And you know what? They made the Giants offensive line look awful as well. Their defensive line was missing all their starters, every single starter, and they completely managed and will be up front. Uh, we'll yeah. get to the Giants in my other yep. pick. I'm, I'm, yep. I'm foreshadowing my two picks here. But, yeah, the Giants, just atrocious. They got beat all but, over the place. You made two really great points there is that the depth of the 49ers was fantastic. The Giants are lacking that. Again, that's a Gettleman thing. And it's it's late-round draft picks. You have to hit on your late-round draft picks. The Giants have not done that. In fact, they've cut guys from last year's draft that were key players. Um, the linebacker from Wisconsin, now I'm blanking on his name, but they cut this kid who he had an ACL injury last year, cut him. He's coming back and have no talent. So 
I have no faith that Gettleman can hit on deep round picks. He got Darius Slayton late in the fifth round. I'll give him that. But you look at everything. We've had the number two pick, the number six pick, and the number four pick, and we're just lacking talent. And you can't do that when you've got those high picks. And I've gone back and forth on Daniel Jones. If they pick Daniel Jones in the third round, maybe he's not getting this much heat and you can kind of, you know, deflect things. But he was the number six pick. The guy is a turnover machine. Okay. I know the offensive line is, is really bad, but at some point you got to make better decisions and you got to take care of the football. If you can't do that, you can't be a starting football quarterback. I don't care how strong your arm is. I don't care how smart you are. You just can't be on the field. And I'm sick of the line. The offensive line is so bad. And this week, like you said, Colt, we're going to get to your pick. We got Aaron fucking Donald coming in that into the house. I mean, they should just put it back up. Honestly, I mean, Denver is the same exact way. I feel like we're a mirror image of each other. The Broncos have a terrible offensive line and it's so bad now that they're going to trot out this rookie Ripian because Driscoll is so immobile. I had so many buddies text me. Why are they going to Ripian? Didn't Driscoll play okay? Isn't Driscoll fine? He backed up Stafford last year. Yeah, he's fine. He's a fine NFL backup. But the end of the day, they made the decision for one reason and one reason only. Ripian can run and Driscoll cannot. And when you have an offensive line like the Giants and the Broncos, you need at least Jones is mobile. Like, you know, yep. when we what we have with Locke, or Locke and, uh, and Driscoll back there with that bad offensive line, it's a recipe for disaster. And the Broncos have already, not to kind of hijack your segment here, but like the Broncos have had disaster with their quarterback already. And now it, the offensive line is so bad that it's forcing the coaching staff to go with a undrafted rookie in week four because the backup quarterback just is a sitting duck back there. They don't trust the the two tackles to actually protect him. Yeah. And I, I mean, I know I've been ranted, but I'm a Giants fan, but you know, if you're a Jets fan, it's not looking bright either. You got to fire Gates because there's the same thing. You look around that roster, there's no talent right now. And it is just, it's depressing. But how about this stat? Okay. Total team points, the Giants and the Jets dead last. The Jets are actually the, the very bottom 37 points scored. The Giants next up 38 points. Okay. If you were to combine those two teams, there are still 17 NFL teams that have scored more than the Jets and the Giants combined. I nice. don't know what's going on. Here. Did the Giants have a, uh, I, I also kind of tuned that game out. Did they have a, a pick six or a fumble six to the Niners score on defense at all? Or no? they didn't at score all? on defense, but yeah. there's two turnovers that were huge. Yeah, no, I mean, the turnovers are horrible, but I think the one uh, thing, as I was telling one of my other friends who's a Giants fan, he was wondering who's actually worse, Giants or Jets. Like, for me, it has to be the Jets. They're not trying. It's so blatant in the not only the outcomes of the games, but also when you're watching them, that they've just given up. And then you go play the Chiefs or the Colts, and you have two uh, turnovers turn into touchdowns. That's just of a sign of a team that's just given up. Uh, you know, it's just like it's poor play and it's just these guys don't trust Gase. And I guess the big difference is Gettleman, the Giants problem isn't their coach. He's their GM. So they don't have to see him every Sunday. Uh, these right. guys must just despise Gase when they right. go out onto the field. I do think that the Jets, not if, but when they fire Gase, which if they lose, if they lose tomorrow night on Thursday night football to the Broncos, that's got to be the last draw. Because I've, so I've seen some insider intel that that is the case. Yeah, because Which it makes, makes sense it too. really fun for Bronco fans because it's like we've got this undrafted kid. If he can get a win and knock out a coach in week four, it's kind of like a mini Super Bowl. Honestly, this will be the high point of the year. Na- I mean, probably one of our only national TV games. Honestly, you got to we'll find things to root for. And that's it. Yeah. And so if, if they lose that game, obviously, if you fire the coach on Thursday, give you some extra time to get your interim coach in place. But. It's just bad. And then speaking of bad, the NFC East and, and as a whole, 
division. I mean, you got the Eagles who just tied the Bengals. Okay. And I don't know if you guys paid attention to this game, but I was watching the overtime very closely. I picked the Bengals. I love the Bengals. They're my, my cover team. I was calling them the backdoor Bengals, backdoor Burrow, whatever you want to call them. They're three and oh. Three and oh against the spread. I, I love them. Uh, end of the game in overtime, the Niners, or the, excuse me, the Eagles go trot out to kick like a uh, 50 something yard field goal. I want to say like 54, 55, something like that. They get a false start penalty, bumps it back. Okay. So now it's fourth and I want to say six or eight or whatever. And the field goal now is like 58, 59 yards. Okay. Now, Jake Elliott's hit that. He, he hit it against the Giants. I think he had a 63-yard field goal against the Giants. Doug Peterson, and this will segue into our bad coaching segment next, Doug Peterson, author of a book called Fearless, decides not to kick the field goal, not to go for it, but to punt with like two minutes left in overtime. What are you doing, Doug? The division sucks, okay? If you have like seven wins in the NFC East, you might win the division, you're not fucking fearless. You're playing to tie the Bengals at home. Like, what is going on? What I hate most about that is the, the only thing that I can think of as a uh, as an Eagles fan to like justify that is the exact situation that you just laid out. Like, they're so bad that they can win the division at seven, eight, one, and so he must be thinking like, wow, for seven, eight, one at the end of the year, like that might be good enough to get us the division over seven and nine. So I'll take the tie versus seven and nine. The fact that he's even thinking like that is sickening. Exactly. Especially if you're going to author a book called fearless, that is even worse. Like yeah. it's sick that your, your thought process is that to begin with, but if you're the author of a book called fearless, you should go recall all those books because yep. that is the opposite of being fearless. And to your point, uh, watching that overtime, I know people keep hammering this about Carson Wentz about how bad he is, how inaccurate he is. All I saw whenever they and they didn't let him do this in overtime, they let one pass deep out to uh, to Ertz. That was a completion. That was the only time they threw the ball 25 yards vertically. You're playing the Bengals. They're not very talented. Take a shot. Keep throwing it deep. If the guy's inaccurate, eventually he's going to put one on the guy's hands. Maybe he'll draw a pass interference penalty. Maybe he'll get a catch. Keep throwing the ball to Ertz. Good things will happen. Just get vertical like it's an overtime. Take a shot. You have a quarterback. You're paying $30 million a year. Why are you being conservative? Why are you running it up the gut in overtime against a horrible team? Like they're the only team in the league that I feel like in that moment would have done that. Like, it, like just be aggressive. It's overtime. Like, come on. You're stealing the words right out of my mouth. It's amazing that some of these teams don't have like a common sense at like advisor on their, their roster because just use your fucking head, Doug. You're a Super Bowl winning quarterback or coach and you have just that game. They, they handed the tie to everyone there. I mean, it was just, you can't tie the Bengals just like you can't last year when the lions tied the Cardinals in week one, there's just some things you can't do. You have a coach is in his first year, first game. If you're Matt Patricia, you can't tie to that guy. Like a new yep. quarterback, same thing with the Eagles. You're a team that went into the year with the eighth best Super Bowl odds in the entire NFL. So the clearly expectations were that high. You can't tie the Bengals at home. I mean, that tie with the lions at least was in Arizona. You're at home for Christ's sakes. I know there's not fans in the stands, but like, have some respect for your franchise. It's just so bafflingly awful. And They're actually the Bengals too. It's like it's one thing if you're playing to a tie with the Steelers or like the Falcons. You're tying with the Bengals. They drafted first in the draft. They're horrible. Yeah. They're actually lucky there's no fans because the fans would have been booing the shit out of the Eagles. <laughs> and as we've talked about on this pod, and, and he's still amazingly above Peterson despite this horrible gaffe that we've gone over Peterson. But like Taylor, I still think is a worse coach. The fact that you tie not only to that franchise, but to that head coach and his staff 
I know Burrow's a covering machine, but man, that's just an ugly one. All, and, all of it was just so ugly. And they had to come back to tie that game too. They were losing by seven too, right? Yeah. I mean, let's go. Let's go there for a second. So you guys have been uh, hemorrhaging on Doug Peterson, but he is not your worst coach in the NFL right now. Give me your top five in order uh, of stinky to not as stinky to still a little bit stinky. What would you do? One through five. What do you got? Yeah. We need to get like a little jingle for this segment too, because this is just, <laughs> it's a classic part of our show, but yeah. What do you got Coulter? I actually think the uh, top five is very clean. You know, when we've done this in the past, we've had so many candidates where we've had to extend it out to a top 10, but I, you know, I think the, the bottom five is pretty clear right now. It's Adam Gase. As we've mentioned, he's going to be fired. Dan Quinn really is giving Adam Gase a run for his money with these blown <laughs> losses. And the, Atlanta, by the way, has to be just lo- like thinking they're lucky stars. Cause we've talked about the giants jets and Eagles and Broncos. And I could definitely, definitely paint a case that as bad as those four team seasons have gone, there's nobody who's worse than the Atlanta Falcons. Cause they have just had heartbreak after heartbreak. And then when you square root it by uh, the heartbreak of the Super Bowl a few years ago, it's just mm-hmm. like, it's unfathomable how much heartbreak this team has endured. Quinn is somehow still their coach. So he's definitely got to be number two. Bob, Bill O'Brien, Boob O'Brien, he is killing me. <laughs> I have been on him every week, and I am now 0-3, and I can't quit him. He's like a bad addiction. He's going to be number one next week for me. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, I'm going with – I think I'm going with Houston again for a fourth straight week. Don't I mean, do I'm it. Off, I'm off. Don't do it. Yeah, I'm off finally. Uh, and if I lose, I'll probably lose again. The Texans will probably win by 30 now that I'm not picking him. Uh Anyways, yeah, he's just been a curse, and I, I don't think he's very good as a coach or a GM, and I don't know how he still really has a job. Zach Taylor, as we just mentioned, I think that staff around him is really bad, and I think the Bengals are going to be like 3-13, and 13, if not worse, this year, even with Burrow, which says a lot, I think, because that guy's got a lot of moxie. And then Peterson's got to be 5. I'm, I'm sorry, 0-2-1. They've yep. had a terrible year. You lose to Washington football team Dwayne Haskins in Week 1. That mockery of an organization you're going to lose to by 10, even though, again, you're one of the favorites for the Super Bowl. That's just inexcusable. And then you go out and you you find a way to somehow tie this past, this, this past week. It's just terrible. And then you got blown out by the Rams. You're just listless. Uh, I know they have a lot of injuries on the offensive line, but I'm sorry. Peterson, the whole thing, I just don't understand it. The whole Foles-Wentz thing, if, if he knows – because we were talking about this last week on the podcast about the locker room, right? I've kind of called that one out. Yep. They were, they had locker room dysfunction and it's not even a hidden thing at this point. Uh, if you're the coach, how can you let it get this far with the locker room and, and all the, the dysfunction that's going on there and all the hatred and animosity towards Wentz? Why wouldn't you just go with Foles when you were at that crossroads two years ago? If you really thought Foles was your guy for the future, clearly he's still in the NFL. Like it's not like you like lost a uh, starting quarterback role. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Peterson's just a mess. Honorable mention is Anthony Lynn. He's probably the only one that I would, would consider putting into the top five at this point. Yeah. Just a, a terrible loss at home to the Panthers. Inexcusable after a great game against the chiefs. And then that whole quarterback thing with Herbert and Taylor, the way that that played out was just so strange to me. I, I could, I didn't understand that one at all. Yeah. I, I think you're right though, that Lynn would probably be number six on my list. Um, they came from, you know, a, a trick play away. Like if, if that uh, hook and ladder is just a little better of a lateral that the, ch- the chargers win that game, 
they've been frisky, but it is that was a really bad loss at home. But uh, to kind of go to the Monday night thing too, the Chargers ran all over the Chiefs a week prior, and the Ravens weren't able to run, run a lick on them. So I mean, how good are the Ravens? I mean, that's a really important question coming out of Monday night because the Chargers yeah. couldn't. The Chargers could barely muster a running attack against the league's worst run defense in Carolina at home after they just carved up KC. So I mean, that, there's something there. I, I think if you did a comparison to those three games, it's like. Clearly something's wrong with the Ravens and Dan Quinn. I mean, you can't blow (laughs) multiple double digit leads in the fourth quarter and, and lose on back to back weeks. If I, I'm going to throw it out to you to both right now, how many points per game do you think the Atlanta Falcons are averaging right now over the first three weeks of the season? Oh, I can tell you that they've scored uh, probably almost a hundred points. So I'd say they're averaging 32 points a game. I'd say 27. Meet in the middle. They're averaging 30 points per game, and they are 0-3. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And they're playing the Packers this week, so I don't see it getting any better. That guy is like Rasputin, man. He keeps fucking hanging on. I don't know how much longer he's got. So that's it for week three, okay? It was a bloodbath on many occasions. It was just a terrible picks week, terrible coaching. Mr. Model, I need to move on, okay? I need to move on. Let's recap the picks in our pool. Past is past. The past is the past. We got to look forward now. Past is the past. So in the uh, competition that we do on app.doubledowntrent.com, we do five NFL games every week. We pick them with some listeners against the spread. Currently, we have a single leader in the clubhouse, M. Cazalet, Megan, Giants fan, 10 total points. You are in the lead. Congratulations to you. I'd like to give two shout outs. Hannibal, one of the another listener uh, close behind at nine points. And in third place, the man, Ryan, <laughs> you at eight points. But uh, lots of participation. It's been fun so far, but we'll see how it turns out. Yeah. And uh, I talked to my sister. She's willing to come on the podcast. She's got a very nice strategy that I'm going to let her explain. Um, so she, she's, uh, she's got the lead right now and we'll see if she can hold it. Now for me, this is, I don't want to call it an anomaly because I had terrible picks, but what I think I'm able to do is get a small sample of some games and I can really focus in on those. I got to see the big board. Okay. That's my problem right now. I've been impressed. I've been impressed. I know you typically break late. I'm expecting a little mid season falter here, uh, <laughs> but you should keep riding the wave while you got it. You're doing great. Yeah. You got to get yeah. the key pick casually trend going again. That's right. And I believe I hit it last week uh, with the Packers. So I'm going to keep that. I'm going to keep it hot. I keep it. Casually and I, and to I thank you. I thank you for that because I had Broncos on our pod and I auto changed it as we were going through the handicap, flipped my Broncos pick to bucks. So not only picked up the win there, but also switched my key pick on the Packers and got the two. So that's tons a big of credit swing. to you there. I'll take it. That's the uh, positive right, so of doing the podcast. We talk it out. Exactly. Make your decisions on the fly. Exactly. So let's go to week four. Let's talk about the games and let's make our picks. Mr. Model, why don't you kick us off here with your first pick? Well, let's do the five games that we, oh, we yeah. have queued up in the competition. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I picked the five games this week based, based on the best matchups that I think are happening in week four. Um, the first one, we have a little COVID craziness here. We have the Tennessee Titans home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. It sounds like this game is going to get punted from Sunday to possibly Monday night as we're recording this on Wednesday. Um, I've also heard rumors of Tuesday. Um, So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to leave this as is because I still still think it's going to happen in this coming up upcoming couple days. But to me, we couldn't uh, get rid of these 
both three and O teams. This is one of the best matchups we have this week. And Tennessee is the underdog home underdog of two and a half points and Pittsburgh is favored by two and a half. So good matchup there. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Uh, the lack of practicing is that going to impact Tennessee. Something to keep an eye out for. Yeah, it I sounds really like they're doing a lot of virtual. Pittsburgh's got to be one of the most bad teams this week. I mean, both Sharps and public people are both going to be playing them with Tennessee barely practicing. I don't think that's a storyline or an angle that's going to be lost on uh, any person that gambles on or is in, invested in the NFL. I think it's just going to be too obvious. So I'm just going to put that one out there to everybody. I'll, I'm on Steelers. I'm sure 95% of North America is on the Steelers too, but just a heads up that everybody's thinking the exact same way. You're not getting any sort of like, uh, yeah. you know, inside track. On, yeah. yeah. You're not getting edge on the, uh, gambling economy or whatever you want to call it. It's, it's just not happening. But if you can get that at two and a half instead of three, then that's oh, a yeah, nice no, little play it, there. Cool, it's a no-brainer. I was just I'm speaking more for people that want to might want to pick it up on Monday night if they if that's indeed when they play because yeah. you know they're going to be talking about that all week long. Oh, the yeah. Titans haven't practiced. Yeah. Uh, the second matchup we have: the Buffalo Bills are heading west to Las Vegas to play the Las Vegas Raiders. The Buffalo Bills are favored by two and a half. In this matchup, similar to I think what they had been favored last week, that they just squeaked out of cover last week. Um, I think that should be a good one. And I'm always, again, trying to reward the teams that are actually playing pretty well early in the season. And both these teams are representing the third matchup. We have Kansas City is home against those pesky New England Patriots. Kansas City is favored by six and a half points. I think that's trickled up to seven in some sports books. I think that will be certainly a game that I'm going to keep my eye on this week. Yeah, for sure. And I can't remember last time a Bill Belichick coach team was getting that many points. Just something to think about. That sounds like you're uh, you're leaning that way would be my my feeling. That was my, my early week flop. I, I had Patriots, then went to Chiefs, and then I was thinking, you know, if there's anybody that can contain Mahomes, it might be Belichick. So I'm back on the Patriots and I do like that. It's a, it's a fat line and they did just play on Monday. So you do have to think that the Patriots have a little bit of an advantage there. Hmm. And we can talk about that. All right. The fourth game that we have, the Dallas Cowboys. Oof. Our home against those Cleveland Browns. Dallas is favored by four and a half in the pool. That's the uh, that will be something right there. Yeah, that will be something that's gone back and forth. And uh, that might be something that we talk about here in a little bit. And then the last game uh, we have, uh, you know, Coulter brought this up earlier in the podcast, the Chicago Bears, the undefeated Chicago Bears, 3-0, and are home against the Indianapolis Colts. Chicago is the home underdog at plus two and a half. And Indianapolis is coming in as the road favorite. That should be an interesting one. I can't wait till we get to that. <laughs> Give me the bears. <laughs> a few wonky lines I feel like this week too. A few that I had to really look at and be like, what this number feels weird, but I don't know. That that game is gonna be interesting because we're gonna find out if the Bears actually are a uh a contender and is Nick Foles gonna turn them around? Or are we gonna see that the Colts flex their muscles? So I think that is a perfect segue, not because I know the uh the sheet that we've got listed out here, but Coulter. Why don't you give us your first pick of the week, man? Yeah, this one's this one's one of my favorites so far of the year. Uh, the Bears plus two and a half at home. So this is a team that has been making a bad habit at the beginning part of the season from playing from behind. And that's why we're getting them at a discount here. The market perceives them as not a 3-0 team, as you pointed out. 
uh, so cleverly here, Kaz. But this is the the bottom line is Mitch is out in the Windy City and the line hasn't been adjusted. The Bears are not going to be playing left-handed with Mitch Trubisky anymore. This is a line that's indicative of them still having Mitch, them still being a team that plays from behind because they don't have a good quarterback and has to make up comebacks in the fourth quarter. That's not going to be the case. I'm not saying Nick Foles is the savior, although some might uh, think that he's been set up in a great spot here to revive the bears. Um, and you know, this franchise was super bowl bound. One could say a couple of years ago and they missed that field goal, um, in the opening round of the playoffs. So Foles could turn this franchise around quickly. They think that they can win now they're highly motivated. Um, I think he gives them an identity that's not factored in here. This is a team that's been very lethargic for the last two and a half seasons with Mitch Trubisky. They don't know if they're a passing offense. They don't know if they're a running offense. Now they have an identity with Nick Foles. They have a leader who's won a Super Bowl. Additionally, the Colts are being just completely overpriced in this situation after beating the lowly Vikings and Jets. They've played nobody. The, you could say the same for the Bears, and I realize that they're both 1-8 and eight overall. Or the, Their common opponents are 1-8 one, one and eight with our uh, combined records so far through uh, three weeks. But the key thing here is the defense has survived Matt Ryan and Matt Stafford. It will thrive against Phil Rivers. Uh, there's no Paris Campbell. There's no Michael Pittman Jr. There's no Marlon Mack. This team has had injury after injury after injury. This is an indie team that basically just has T.Y. Hilton and uh, the rookie Jonathan Taylor. I hate to say this, but I'm taking Matt Nagy in the points. Uh, obviously, I think this is a square pick as they're a home underdog. So that would be my one apprehension that I'm probably going to be riding with the public on this one, as I don't see how you can't take the points here in this situation. I'm going to join them and take the Bears plus two and a half. <laughs> Mr. Model, what do you think? Oh. You know, I don't think I'm going to lose a pick this week is how I'm feeling right now. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is my key pick, and I'm taking the Indianapolis football Colts All this right. week. Ooh, minus two and a half. Yeah. Um, so the update, we're recording on a Wednesday. The line is still two and a half in a lot of books, so there's not a whole lot of uh, movement there. So nothing kind of special that I'm seeing. Um, I actually really like the Indianapolis Colts in this space. I, even though they had a, a tough week one losing to the Jaguars, I still think that they're a really good team. One of the stats that I had heard uh, earlier this week was that the Colts defense is ranked number one in DVOA, which is one of those key uh, stats that has of course they translated are. They Sam Darnold and Gardner Minshew. <laughs> yes, but this is compared to averages. Um, you know the team averages. So even though they've played lesser teams, it's how they performed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I actually think that they're going to be able to hold a Chicago Bears offense to relatively low. Now, the, the total for this game is already super low at 43 is what I'm seeing. So I would imagine this game is going to be a very much a in the trenches trying to fight for points. You're going to end up seeing 17, 10, you know, 24, whatever. So to me, this is definitely going to be low scoring in general. And that's not shocking. And I just love the Indianapolis Colts in that spot. I will admit I've bet this game money line. I've bet this game spread, and I am making this my key pick oh my for this <laughs> week. I got to revise my assessment here. Wow, I'm riding with Matt Nagy. This is this is not good. I, I love the Colts. A revision love here. Love them in this spot. So I 
have seen both sides of this this bet. Okay, I can see why people want to be on the Bears and the public is on the Bears, and I see why a lot of people are on the Colts. I can't put too much stock into what the Colts did against the Jets, okay, because the Jets are just a downtrodden team. But having said that, their defense flew around. Their defense was playing the way I think a lot of people thought their defense would. Now, their offense is missing some key points, some key weapons, but I do think that the the, the Bears have kind of been in this house of cards, okay? They, they've taken advantage of even worse teams than the Colts have. Um I'm on the I'm on the Colts in this one as well here. Two and a half to me is not a big enough number. If this was three and a half, I might be thinking the other side of this, this line here. Uh, but under a field goal, I, I do like what the Colts have been doing. If they can steal something uh, in, in terms of like a defensive uh, touchdown or, you know, a, a key turnover that flips the, the, the field. I think that could be something that would swing this game. I know getting Foles in there is a shot of life. It's almost like getting, you know, a, a rookie quarterback who's got a lot of hype coming in. Um, so it could jumpstart their offense, but Tariq Cohen's out. Uh, I know he's kind of like a, a third down gimme back player, but I do like uh, the fact that the, the Colts are going to be uh, more full strength in terms of health. And I, I know they're missing receivers, but I, I think the Colts are just going to be the one that, that pulls out this game. The other thing for the, the thing that I've heard, well, I guess two things. So one, I've heard that Foles replacing Trubisky is very much like a, you're replacing a penny with a penny. It's not much of an upgrade just based on historical performance. So while I do totally agree with you that I actually like Foles more in general, it, it kind of shocks me that Matt Nagy, Matt Nagy has been able to watch them well, as much as possible given COVID over the offseason and still landed with Mitch Trubisky as his starter. So there's got to be something there that he's he's – you know, yeah. The, what's there is they wasted a number two overall pick on him, and they had to give him at least a little yeah. runway because if they had started the year with Foles, they never could go back to Trubisky, and so they had to at least try it out with Mitch. Um, but to your point, I mean, they tried it out with him, and they won games, and they still ended up benching him. So I mean, clearly, you're right. It's not uh, right. Yeah, and yeah, no, I mean the the camp thing. He never separated from Trubisky enough to make that decision happen. And clearly, even though Trubisky was winning games, it it, it, it wasn't like he was losing games to put Foles in the in the situation. So that is a good point there. Yeah, but I agree with you, Coulter. I think that that was a decision that came from the top down. They had to give it to Trubisky, and you saw yeah. how quick that hook was. I mean, they're they're a two no team. The guy throws one interception against the Falcons, and then you know they immediately went to to Foles. So I I, I want to point this out too because we've had Matt Nagy as a punching bag on our bad coaching. But list. I loved that move. I loved yeah. that move. He saw blood in the water against a team that just gave up a what a twenty nine point comeback in the fourth quarter to the to the Cowboys a week prior. He said, you know what, screw it. I'm going all in in week three. I'm going with Nick Foles. I know he can lead us against a bad defense in a comeback spot. Boom, put him in. And that's exactly what happened. I just think yeah. the bears have more blue chip talent players on this. I think I know everybody in NFL media loves the Colts and their defense looks great. And I, I don't want to devalue that, but like, I just don't see the talent on that offensive side of the football with rivers. They just don't have it. How do they, and to your point, I agree. It's going to be low scoring. How do they move the ball? What is the Colts offense? Yeah. I yeah. mean, those are fair points. Two defensive point. TDs last week against a team the previous week that gave up 40 points to a bunch of backups. So it's not like the Colts offense was electric by any means against the Jets and the Jets defense is not good. So I don't know. A fair you, yeah, I was going to say this is probably just a, a, a good line from Vegas, obviously, as it, it is uh, kind of split us here on the pod. Yeah. Give the, uh, give the men out in the desert a tip of the cap. 
Yep. And we're going to see what Matt Nagy's got. Cause now he's, I mean, he's three, no, but you, you got to think he's coaching for his, his job here because he's now got quote unquote, his quarterback. And if he continues to make a bad coaching decisions and this team all of a sudden falters because of Foles, and it was his decision to put in Foles, you don't know what's going to happen with him. So that one's close. Uh, I, I do like both sides of you guys' debates there. I'm, I'm personally on the Colts there. So that was Mr. Model's key pick. It was Coulter's first pick. So I'm going to go with my first pick. And I'm going back to the well, okay? I did it last week. I'm doing uh-huh. it this week. I'm taking the Green Bay Packers at home, minus 7.5 against the Falcons. I hate that that number uh-huh. is 7.5. If that was 6.5, I would be key picking it. I'd be betting my house on it and be taking it to the bank. The Packers offense is clicking. Okay. We've talked about this. This is Rogers. Fuck you season. And he's showing it. I think there's a chance they get Devonte Adams on the MVP odds. We had, we <laughs> yeah. had the spike season in May. We did a podcast in May and we talked about the yeah. spike season. I don't have a so, single bet on Aaron Rodgers and friends. Me neither. And there's no value on it right now, but their offense is absolutely clicking. They're averaging 40 points a game. Devonte Adams missed a game and a half. If he comes back, this is a absolute lock for me. Uh, Dan Quinn has got to fight for his, his life here, but I don't think we've seen anything from that defense that shows that they're going to be able to stop a team like the Packers. They let the Cowboys run all over them. Uh, they just let the Bears run all over them. And I think the balanced offense that the Packers have with Aaron Jones and Rodgers out there, I just don't see how the, the Falcons can keep up and score enough points to cover that seven and a half. You got a full agreement for me. I like Rodgers. I like the way the offense is rolling. I think, I mean, if the Falcons were to have won a game, it would have been some time prior to this. Uh, the hook is definitely not great. I'll probably look at it several times and probably flip-flop and then ba- end up back on Green Bay just because <laughs> of the number. But, uh, I mean, yeah, we're talking about two different teams. One team's going in one direction. The other team is going way, way, way down. And uh, yeah, so I've I've all I'll admit I've flip flopped on on this game already. Um, I had initially started with Green Bay, and now I'm currently coming to this podcast where I am an Atlanta supporter. I think the seven and a half is one of the big reasons, but the second is that I feel like Atlanta. I was on them last week, hoping that they would have some type of redemption, which they did not. Um, but I just feel like that on the offensive side of the ball, they've been playing pretty well. They've they're averaging thirty points a game. So to me. If you see that they're going to score it, you know, call it 24 to 30 on this Green Bay team. Do you really think Green Bay is going to be able to put up 30 to 37 or more? And, you know, we've seen that with this Falcons defense, right? Like there is a key key point here that the listeners should realize that this game is being played in Lambeau and that 30 point Atlanta offense is accumulated points in two games in the Georgia Dome and then one game at Jerry World. So this is not a team that's played outdoors yet. Uh, this is a team similar to the Jets that just might start giving up. And so like what we saw with that Jets Colts game last, I mean, all it takes is Rodgers to go up 14, nothing in this game. And I don't know if the Falcons are actually, uh, they have an offense that is equipped to come back on Lake Baltimore. And yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say that out loud and, and say it proudly. I think the Fal- <laughs> I trust the Falcons down 14 a lot more than I trust the Ravens. And I don't even think that's that crazy. Um, but I, I don't know. I just feel like that locker room has to be just on it, like right on yep. its last yep. wins. Yep. Yeah. 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 That's why I'm on there. So we'll see what happens in that game as well. I like it uh, again. Seven and a half though. Might give me a slight, you know, bit of uh, paranoia, but I, I still think they cover that number. I would say the one fear too. Um, and I don't know if we're going to touch on the saints game, but there, and this might actually is why I might end up back on the Falcons as I flip flop around this game is 
there might be a little bit of overreaction to how good Green Bay looked last week against that Saints team. As we touched on uh, last week, Breeze just might not be that good. And that Saints team, uh, you know, they might not be that great. You know, they only have one win at first week against the Bucks, where the Bucks looked clearly like they were all out of sorts. And now they've kind of figured it out a little bit more. I don't know how good that Saints team is, so I just don't want to overrate Green Bay too much. I think they're properly rated here with this line. They deserve to be a seven-point favorite at home on Monday Night Football, and they're getting the .5 because they're a public team, and they have a little bit of a home field advantage that's baked into their field. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think the number's actually razor sharp. Um, I just don't know how I'm going to end up playing it. Okay, that's fair. Well, all right, let's get uh, let's get to your key pick here, Coulter. All right, I'm ready to go. This is an anti-Giants play to kind of keep in theme the week. I'm going with the Rams in the big number, 12 and a half. I haven't done this yet this season, but I feel pretty confident. A few factors are playing into our favor here. We got a West Coast uh, travel schedule for a young and experienced Giants club. There's a coaching advantage, I think, pretty clearly with the Rams. You got McVay, who's a top six, seven coach versus Judge, who's probably bottom five. Uh, even though he's not in our bottom five rankings I, right now, just because of his inexperience, I don't think he's as good as as McVay. And you've got a motivated Rams team that's looking to keep up in the NFC West. This is a loaded West. Every team is favored uh, this week, and the Rams uh, favored by a pretty sizable margin, I should add, too. I think they're all four-point favorites or more. So the Rams uh, can't afford to lose this game. They can't afford to come out slow. They're not expecting to make up any ground uh, in the division here. So this is just one where I think they're going to just keep their foot on the pedal, kill the Giants, and make sure that they take care of business. Uh, I also think that this is a team that has just a massive talent edge, as we talked about. The defensive line is just so much better than the Giants' offensive line. And the turnover-prone quarterback, I'm going to take the the Rams' defensive line all day long. Um, Most importantly, how is nobody – we went a whole hour talking football week three, and we didn't talk about the fact that, oh, casually, by the way – the Rams erased a 25 point deficit on the road against a top three defense in a ridiculously tough spot playing on the East coast for the second time in two weeks. I don't want to be exaggerated here. I think the Rams might be a top three team in football. Like not a lot of teams can do that. That is an remarkable accomplishment that just got completely glossed over because of the bills won the game uh, because they were boosted by the refs. Um, yeah. If you think about that in context, that 25 point, I'm going to be remembering that for the rest of the season. This is arguably the hottest team in the league after last week. They probably should be getting a full 14 against a team that really has just lost all hope. Um, I don't see. Yeah, this is a classic early season. I don't think Vegas wants to get too aggressive with the line. I think the bookmakers are too afraid to give it the old 14. And I'm going to eat. I'll take honestly, I'll take the 12 and a half. I think it's light. That line could have been 14 and a half. And I still, I still think you had a, the right assessment there. I, it, it, I, I'm with you here. Uh, I also have, this is my key pick. I, I just cannot find any way where the giants can put up points the way that the Rams can. Not only can they not put up the points, but you made a great point. Coulter is that the Rams offense is capable of exploding and putting up a ton of points quickly. The giants secondary atrocious besides James Bradbury. I'll give him that he's playing really good. Their pass rush though is non-existent. So you're going to let a team with an offense like the Rams who specialize in moving the pocket and getting golf moving and shifting people and crossing patterns and and hiding where the release points are on receivers, rub routes, all kinds of things where you've got to be as sharp as possible with your assignments. The Giants have not shown me anything from any position group on that defense that shows that they can keep up with them. So 
Not only is 12 and a half a good number, 14 and a half is a good number. 17 and a half might be a good number. <laughs> That's way too much. I, I <laughs> I'm in full agreement with you guys here. I, um, I did not have the respect that I think I do now for the Rams offense. And they've really, you know, like someone like a Robert Woods, for example, holy hell, he has played way above that what, what I would have expected for him. And if you see that continuing, they're actually, I was just taking a peek, they're actually ranked number one in offensive DVOA right now. And yeah. that's like, to me, a, an affirmation of everything you all have stated. So I think I see them coming in, playing really well, putting up a shit ton of points and just, I don't know, putting these Giants to bed. To bed. Yeah. Okay. And if you can uh, do a quick look up there, Mr. Models, see what the Giants DVOA is, because <laughs> it, the gap there is going to be massive. Um, without Saquon Barkley, the Giants offense is anemic. Their offensive line is getting killed. And the thing that we also need to talk about that I don't know if we did or not during Dr. Melfi, but Aaron Donald, what would you put the line at for how many sacks Aaron Donald's going to have? Three and a half? Two. Four? Yeah, at least two. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you figure if he gets two every game against a good offensive uh, opponent, he's going to eat against Jones. Yeah. One would think. And yeah, to the model's point, I, I see this team coming out and wanting to score a lot of points. That was baked into my handicap here. Why? Because they struggled on offense to score and gain margin against Dallas in week one. That was their last home game. They've got this new stadium. I know there's not fans that they don't need to no, quote unquote impress, but this is a team that wants to fly. This is like a bird. They want to be speedy. We know what the Rams want to be on offense. I know they like to run and, and then the run scheme dictates everything else, but this is a team that wants to put up points. They want to score and the giants are just not the defense. I was going to say my one, my one apprehension with this is that judge might call up his buddy, Bill Belichick and be like, how do I stop McVay? You have the blueprint and from the Super Bowl and Belichick, if he ever got that call, would just be like, listen, you don't have the talent. And that's why I'm staying on the Rams is because it's just like the Giants exactly. just don't have it. There's we no could have the blueprint and help the Giants. Yeah, we could have the blueprint. We could have the entire offensive script that the Rams are going to call every play and we don't have the talent to stop it. So I don't know what the problem is there. But what do you got here, Mr. Mile, for their uh, Giants DVOA? Uh, for offense, they are ranked 32nd dead last. <laughs> oh, my God. For defense, this surprised me a little bit. They are ranked 18th overall right now, so better, much better than what I would have anticipated. Well, they played Mitch week two. Yeah, they they got lucky. They're not lucky, but they had two really good um, performances against the the rushing game. So they they held a lot of teams to a really low rushing number, but they've been shredded in the past game. So I I don't know. I I just don't see it, but it it pains me. It's going to be a long season, but I think that's the – (laughs) <laughs> that's the right number. That's the right pick. And I'm uh, they're my key pick as well. Coulter. I want to do a little like bonus, uh, handicap here. And this is just, there's no actual value to this, but like McVeigh and Shanahan are like little West coast rivals and they've got this little pissing contest. And I don't think it could be lost on us that Shanahan blew the doors off the giants on the road last week. McVeigh, I, there's something that I brought that up in my handicap that they know that their division's good. They know that all their divisional opponents are favored this week. They know that they just have to keep winning every week. Uh, otherwise they're going to get kind of drowned out. So their, their margin for error is really thin. And I just, I don't know. I, I love the McVeigh Shanahan rivalry aspect of this. And I don't, I don't see McVeigh taking his starters off the, the field is what I'm trying to say. I think he's going to run yeah. off the score here. I completely agree. I don't even know if I'm going to watch more than the quarter of that game. That's how bad it's going to get, but we'll see. Uh, all right, Mr. Model, you've already given us your key pick, so why don't you give us yep. your uh, second non-key pick? Yep, and this is something that we talked a little bit off air, but I am going to be going with the Thursday night game. I'm going to be going with those New York Jets plus oh. two and a half 
against the my own Denver Broncos and Coulter's Denver Broncos. Um, this is purely a value play. So we're recording on Wednesday, like I said earlier. The line I'm seeing right now on Circa Sports, the New York Jets are favored by one and a half. So you're getting you're telling me that I'm getting a four point move on the Jets from where it locked in on our office pool to where they are presently. I'm all in on that. They actually have an NFL quarterback who's been around for a couple of years and knows the system, albeit I can't believe I'm going with Adam Gase and team. Uh, but I just think, you know, a practice squad quarterback for the Denver Broncos, Mark, uh, not Mark, Brett Ripien, uh, is going to be starting for them. And I just don't see their offense offense performing all that well. A ton of injuries, Sutton out. I think the Jets are going to be able to squeak this one out. I'm hopeful. And these guys are going to be my non-key pick. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know how to describe this game. <laughs> it's another one of these. I can describe these- it for you. I've been a football fan for 29 years. <laughs> Broncos are my favorite team. I don't know if I could actually get to 25 guys on their roster right now that I can name. I certainly couldn't name more than 10 on the Jets, and I'm a diehard football fan. Die I'm with you. Fan. I'm with you. Can't name more than 30 guys in this game. Uh, the number of blue chippers, I think if you put the line at over under a half, I would be tempted to go with the under. Uh, I really don't know who the best player is in this game. Is it Bradley Chubb? Yeah, uh, it it very well could be <laughs> the highest draft pick, I would imagine. Or, well, In damn, injured. Arnold, but yeah, uh, still not 100% Bradley Cho. Yeah, I mean, um, this is a game that's just void of talent. It's void of good coaching, I should mention too. Vic Vangio, actually, we good. were nice to in that bad coaching rankings. Not He's good. probably up there with Anthony Lynn. Uh, Vic Vangio, fun fact, is 0 and 6 through the first three weeks of the season in his first two years as head coach. The guy does not win in September. This is a Denver team that that is hard to do. We are a September juggernaut. We're literally 66, I think, uh, percent. And either against the spreader overall in September as a franchise, either one. I mean, this is terrible. Two straight years of just bad September football. Not even close to competing last week against the Bucks. Thank God I switched my pick at least. Yeah, I'm with you on this pick here in the pool air because, you know, two and a half points of getting for the Jets makes no sense to me here. Uh, I guess the only thing you can say is that maybe Gase is going to try and coach his best game to keep his job. But I think he's already lost that team. I mean, nobody wants to play for him. And if you can't beat a Broncos team with nobody on the roster, what are you guys doing? And I feel bad for for Jets fans. I mean, you've got just as bad as the Giants fans right now, plus a more cursed winless history than we've got. So to think that I complained last week about getting the dolphins and the Jaguars on Thursday night. And then we got this game. Oy, oy, is it an ugly game again? You know, Goodell knows me. I'll watch. I'll throw it on for a little bit, but oof, that's a really bad game. I'm with you with the jets there. Uh, If you're betting this game though, check the line, see what you're doing. Because if, if, if that number is jets minus one and a half, two and a half, I wouldn't touch it. Don't touch it. Yeah. Don't touch it. I don't know. Uh, I got a couple of uh, wonky lines here that I'd like to get you guys' opinions on before we wrap up here. Um, a couple of games well, that are standing out to me. I I don't want to call this an alert, an upset alert here, but I almost made this my pick here, and that's the the Seattle Seahawks traveling to Miami. Now I recall the Seahawks have had trouble in Miami, and it's a West Coast team coming east, which we know is is a little you know gives teams some fits. We saw the Dolphins put up a pretty impressive game on Thursday night, albeit against the Jags. I feel like, though, this number is is screaming for you to pick the Dolphins here. Am I missing something? 
this was my other key pick other than uh, the two that I picked. If I had a third key pick, it would have been Miami plus six and a half. I love the spot. I love the fact that they're, you mentioned going uh, west to east is obviously a great trend, but also that Miami stadium, that's like the new mile high altitude advantage. That summer heat in Miami is not a good thing. I think Seattle's defense is atrocious. They should never be mm-hmm. getting six and a half on the road. They have no pass rush. Their secondaries got awful. Quite frankly, if the only thing that was wrong with the Dolphins offense in the first couple of weeks is that they just weren't fully healthy. Parker was hurt. Williams were, was hurt. Gasicki had injuries. They're all healthy. They have a 10-day break. I love Brian Flores as a coach. I actually think Pete Carroll is wildly overrated as a coach, so I think they're actually closer to each other uh, than meets the eye. I love the Dolphins in South Beach. Give me the points. I, it's funny. I've flip-flopped in this game as well, so I'm currently on Seattle, I should say, but I've gone back and forth. The stat that I heard earlier today on this game was that Seattle in the red zone has 100% uh, t- touchdown Rate. Uh, rating. Yeah, like rate. And that's just unheard of, right? That's so every time that their drive has has gotten into the red zone, they've scored a touchdown. They've scored, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's just something like that's just not going to continue. It's impossible. It's going to be a little revert to the mean a little bit. So they're just not going to be able to put up the points that they have in week one, two, and three. You know, is that going to happen this week against a Miami defense that has not been great, Bob? I'm not sure. Um but uh, yeah, it's 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 a big spot for them. I think it's a six-hour flight too from Seattle to Miami. Yeah, it's as far as you can go. It's a hike. It also, you know, not to put too much value on previous games, but Miami competed against Buffalo, and I think Buffalo is probably fourth or fifth best team in the league. So there's nothing telling me, you know, based on that game, they covered that spread and were within a field goal of beating Buffalo at home just two weeks ago. And like I think Buffalo and Seattle are very comparable. Obviously, quarterback edge goes to Seattle, but. The Seattle defense, as I mentioned, is just just atrocious. Yeah. Now, the other game that I took a major double take on is the Bills going to Las Vegas. The Bills are only a two and a half point favorite here. That seems like a really low number. What What's going on here? Are they dating yeah, us? Amazing. Yeah. What's this going on? The, Love the Bills. I'll let the, I'll, I was going to say I'll let the model go. He looks like he's ready to. Love the Bills here. Yeah. Um, I don't have. uh Man, I so I'm all over the bills here. Um, I took them minus two and a half for sure. Um, I just think Las Vegas is a team that I, I like to not move my power rankings all that much after the first couple of games. I don't want to overreact to some of the to some of the outcomes that have happened. And I think a really good example here is Las Vegas beating the Saints uh, a week ago. That was a fantastic outcome from them and a great performance, but not one that I think that they would be able to do consistently. To me, Buffalo has consist- consistently played at the level that I expect them to play at, and uh, the the talent and the coaching there is going to be something that, to me, is going to be more consistent across time. So I just see them coming in and being the better team. Their defense, I think, is going to improve and get even better. You know, I think they're going to be able to score points, and again, I don't think this is going to be a huge high-scoring game, but I, I like them in this spot, even though they're going west. Coulter? I love I love the Bills here. Uh, the Raiders are going to be without their starting tackle, their starting cornerback. They already have been beat up with receiver injuries left and right. This is a very injured team. They also might be listen, they might be missing a defensive lineman, a starter on the defensive line this week. This is a team that's missing a lot of key starters. They literally are coming off of back-to-back games of playing Sean Payton and Bill Belichick, which cannot be easy for John Gruden and his staff. I think those are two superior coaches. He's getting a third one this week with Sean McDermott. 
I just like the Bills. I think they have edges all over the field. Their secondary is much, much better than the uh, Raiders' pass offense. I think their run defense can clamp down on Jacobs. I just don't see how the Raiders can score a lot of points here. All you really need is Allen to continue on with what he's been doing. You're going to probably win this game and spread by 10, 20 points. I, I don't see a world where the Raiders are really keeping this one close. They don't have the defense, and they're very banged up. That's what made me look at this line. I'm thinking this should be six and a half, something like that. Like it's not that, that to me is why I, I thought something was going on here. Like we're getting Vegas is like telling us, Hey, take well, a look it, at this line. It might be the new stadium edge. I mean, it, it really worked out in the first two weeks of the year. Uh, if you think about it, the Rams won and covered on their new stadium night, the chargers covered when they played the chiefs in their new stadium day. And then the Raiders won and one straight up and covered a six and a half point spread on Monday night football. So there is something there with the new stadium special. I think obviously the Chargers lost this past weekend playing in their new stadium again, but uh, I don't know. I mean, there is something there. Maybe Buffalo doesn't have the experience playing out there and the Raiders at least have some sort of knowledge of what the field is like. Yeah. To your point. That's maybe where the line is coming in at. I like it. It's a good analysis. Something just feel weird about that line though. So, all right, gentlemen, that wraps us up for our picks here for week number four. Hopefully we all do better. Hopefully we win some money. That's episode 80 in the books, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see everybody next week on Double Down Trent. Baby, look at me. Look at me. Your money. You know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. Fucking All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.